Well, hello and welcome back to the Basic Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Thompson. Sitting next to me, you guys know the singing Santa himself, Ray Jewell. Ray, welcome back. Thanks, Kevin. And uh, I'm glad we don't do it this way very often. Yeah, this is our, this is our first actual video. And um, I know you just said we're not going to do this very often, but um, during this, this time, this is probably how we're going to do a lot of these podcasts. Do they? Um, I think okay. so. In fact, I've already scheduled a few. Okay. Um, and so this is how it's going to work for a little while. That means I but, have to smile more. Yeah, but, but not too much. You don't want oh, to freak okay. everybody out. All right. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're going to be talking about, uh, I mean, we're joking around. We're talking about a pretty serious topic, though, uh, with a little bit of levity because we can't help that. And that's the uh, coronavirus. That's why we're here. We're doing this interview remotely and not um, in person. Oh, I should be um, six feet away. You should be at all times anyway, <laughs> um, even without this. But anyway, so uh, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus. And I want to take some time and, and clear up a few things. There's a lot of misinformation out there. Mm -hmm. And of course, we do want to uh, approach this from um, a a Christian perspective or a biblical worldview perspective as well. And so I've asked a friend of mine to join us, and that's Dr. Uh, Gordon Lynn. And so, um, Gordon, welcome to our podcast. Hi, it's good to be here. All right. Well, um, here we are. You're on top of us right now for some reason. But uh, so, Gordon, you're, a, you're an ER doc out in uh, Rockford, Illinois. Um, mm -hmm. Tell us just a little bit about yourself first. You'll throw a softball question in. Let's see. Well, I first knew I wanted to be a doctor way back in the third grade. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Kevin's like, please stop. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hearing people clicking away already. So. Oh, man. Wait, is this live? <laughs> no. no, but I can hear you in the future. Oh, hear one day. oh good. Wow. wow. Special abilities. Um, I'm an emergency physician. I work in the emergency room. Uh, I'm the nocturnist for our group. I work exclusively nights and only nights. Mm. Um, so we come across some very interesting people. Oh, I bet. In the um, night. Across me once. <laughs> he still yeah. yeah. But now in, in our house, you're, you're a hero, uh, but not because you're a doctor at all, but you came over and you fixed our uh, video game system a couple times. So uh, I think like, like yeah, three times. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't know anything about video games. I'm, Whatever. But, okay, so let's talk about uh, the coronavirus, because it's obviously it's what everyone's talking about. It's affecting every one of our lives. Um, let me ask a basic question, and this may seem too basic, but what is it? What do we mean by this, this virus? I mean, we all know the effects of it, I guess, but um, what, what is a virus, and how is it causing all this, all this trouble? Oh, okay, so going back a little further. So a virus is not technically alive. It's basically a data packet. Um, it's an enclosed structure that contains either DNA or RNA. Now, outside of that packet is a couple of receptors um, that fools the body's cell into taking it into taking it in. It's like someone with a forged key card gaining access to a building where they don't belong. Now, once inside that, the, the strands of DNA or RNA uh, will unravel and it kind of hijacks the cell and it'll turn the cell into a factory to make more of itself. Hmm. From that point on, either the cell bursts or the cell's tripped into just outputting these virus particles, and they'll continue to spread um, havoc and mayhem throughout the rest of the body. Hmm. Okay, so it's not nearly as bad as that usually. So things like the common cold is a virus. 
and it'll infect um, the, the lining of your stomach, your throat, your lungs. Um, and for the common cold, you get the sniffles, you get runny nose, cough, maybe a little bit of fever, and then your body deals with it and it goes away. There's a couple of problems with that though. Because it's not technically alive, it's hard to kill, right? It's like to, take, to kill a zombie, you have to shoot it in the brain. That's, that's kind of how it works. And so <laughs> when you have these not quite alive particles floating around in your body, the ways your body deals with it is a little bit different. And the ways our medicines deal with it is drastically different. Mm. And so you get bacteria infections and virus infections. And for a lot of bacteria infections, we give antibiotics, makes the bacteria explode, and we call it a day, life goes on. But for viruses, we have to somehow hijack um, the body's own processes with the medications themselves to either block the virus from at various stages of that process I described earlier, where it tries to gain access to your cells through a forged key card. Um, for example, that's why HIV, when you take a treatment for it, it's four, four different antiviral drug classes working together to stop that virus. Wow. If you have a bladder infection, it's usually the one antibiotic, and you're done. So this makes viruses kind of different in that way. So this um, gets into our bodies through, is it like an airborne pathogen type of thing? Or it depends something? on the type. It depends on the type of the virus. Okay. Now, since we're talking about coronavirus specifically, uh, the coronavirus tends to target mucosal surfaces, and that is also mostly your nose, your lungs, your airway passages, a little bit in the gut as well, too, so not quite as much. Uh, with, because it gets all the airway surfaces, it'll cause your body to create a whole bunch of mucus, and that mucus is loaded with virus particles. And so when a person is infected with the coronaviruses, every time, every time they cough, every time they brush their nose and touch something with it, you're going to leave trails of virus particles where, whenever they sneeze, whenever they touch anything with their hands after they touch their face. Hmm. That's how it spreads. Okay, so I want to talk. There's a lot of information about there. Some of it good, some of it not good. Some of it, I heard this guy on the internet once or... Uh, as opposed to, you know, I've been reading on the CDC website or something. Yeah. Um, and one of the most common things I hear is we're really making too big of a deal about this because it's, it's no worse than the common cold. It, in fact, the influenza has killed more people than this. So we don't really have to worry about this. And I'm going to leave my house and go touch my face and go whatever. Uh, buy some you know, I was guilty of saying that. And sure, by the numbers, right? By the numbers, um, it may not look as deadly as influenza, and for that matter, it probably is not. But let's use an analogy. A gallon of gasoline in a car can get you on average anywhere from 30, 20 to 30 miles away, right? But that's gasoline ignited in very small controlled bursts. Now, if I threw a gasoline, a gallon of gasoline on you and set you on fire, we're gonna get you zero places because yeah. we're using that gasoline in a very different way all at once, and unfortunately on your person. <laughs> and so, so the problem with the coronavirus right now is that it's all happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. Now, just like with influenza, you have a spectrum of disease, right? For most people who get the flu, fine. They have a bad couple of days. They get better, life goes on. But then you also have some that it gets bad, but not so bad that they're going to die, but they still need to be admitted in the hospital. Yeah. They'll take up a hospital 
And then there's ones that are so sick that they require basically the kitchen sink thrown at them. They require ventilators, different machines to keep them alive in a specialized intensive care room with, with dedicated, very intense one-to-one nursing staff um, to make sure everything gets done to make sure that person doesn't die. Hmm. Fine. During the flu season, that gets all spread apart. Now imagine if you had the entire flu season compressed into one week and have all of that show up at the hospital. Hmm. Where are we going to put them, people that need to be admitted? You can't resuscitate someone in a broom closet. Yeah. So we run out of space. We run out of resources when all of this happens at the same time. It's like using that gallon of gasoline lit on fire simultaneously. It's dangerous and unproductive as opposed to, you know, the gallon of gasoline ignited in small bursts to get a car from here to 20 miles away. So I've heard the, the, the illustration of we're, it's not, uh, you're in Illinois right now. You're in a, a shelter in place. Um, uh, I don't want to say command, but uh, mandate. mandate. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I know there's a reason why we invited you on the show today. Um, I'm always good for something, Kevin. <laughs> until now, we didn't know what that was. But okay, so uh, we, you're in the shelter-in-place mandate. I don't know if we, already Governor Evers in Wisconsin says he's probably not going to do that, but other states have followed. Um, and we are encouraged not to go out, not to go out in large places, whatever. And the reason is uh, trying to basically flatten the curve or um, trying to spread this out so much so that it's not all at once. Is that an accurate description of, of, of why we should be doing these things? Yes, actually. Now, the tricky part of the coronavirus is that you start making virus particles, you start shedding it, and once again, if you touch your face, you touch something else, there will be virus particles there. Um, A person can be sick for some time, a couple of days, without feeling sick. And during this normal kind of period, they they might infect other people. Hmm. And so the CDC actually, I checked this last night, the CDC marks this particular coronavirus as medium strength um, transmissibility. Uh, For reference, measles is incredibly contagious. So that's way up there. This is somewhere in the middle, very benign, almost. So the onset of this, I mean, it's happened in just, as far as we know, just the last few months, and it's been pretty rapid. Would there have been any way of preparing better for this onslaught of such a thing? I mean, or is it just something like... So so the thing is, every year, there's going to be little epidemics. And for the most part, you don't hear about it because they're contained. They burn out, people die, whatever. Fine. You quarantine that area and it's taken care of. But because the coronavirus hits like a delayed missile strike, once we notice the symptoms, there's already been people outside of the initial epicenter. So it's already been spread around. Um, so could we have prepared for this? Maybe, sort of, kind of, we're not sure. Okay. Um, and at first, like for comparison, the Ebola virus, right, from, what, six years ago. That thing kills so fast and so hard that it's not going to spread because you're just going to die. And they make such a they make such a bloody mess. No one wants to touch the patient anyway. And so they die and they're kind of contained. Um, and so there's Ebola seasons <laughs> in Africa every year where you just get this kind of car bomb. And that's it. That's done and it's contained. 
Now with the coronavirus, it's so delayed acting, it's relatively mild so that it just kind of travels. Yeah. But there's also that part where it really, really, really hurts the older population, especially the older population with some sort of other health problem. Mm. And so, so it becomes really hard to control, really hard to contain. And so our plan at this point is we're having people stay in the homes. That's not going to prevent, prevent infection. We're hoping to just, you know, it, we're probably, most of us on the globe, most of us on the globe is probably going to get this specific disease okay. sometime in the next year. We just want to spread it throughout the course of the year instead of it all happening now yeah. where it would just buckle and crush the hospital system. So what are some of the what are some of the symptoms that um, people should be concerned about if they they start to feel that way? So this is the part where in medical school where I'm looking at these infectious disease textbooks and just want to throw it away because it's frustrating. Yeah, this begins with a flu-like illness, just like every other bloody virus. <laughs> okay, so it feels like a flu-like illness. A lot of it though will have a cough, some congestion. Now, I mentioned before that this coronavirus is one in a family of a set of viruses that causes what we call the common cold. You're going to feel the common cold. And so, like I said, that's the problem. That's why it spreads so easily. It's the common cold. Everyone gets cold every year. And so those are the symptoms. Now, if you get those symptoms, a few things. One, you might just have the common cold instead of corona. Mm -hmm. Two, you might have influenza instead of corona. Three, you might have the coronavirus, okay? Now, what do you do then? What we're trying to do right now is to ask people, please, 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 don't go looking to be tested if all you have is a little bit of a runny nose and a cough and you otherwise feel fine. Because if you look for places to be tested, and what if you don't have coronavirus and you go to a testing center with a whole bunch of people with the same symptoms right now? you will expose yourself to the coronavirus. Don't do that to yourself, please. Don't do that to yourself, okay? If you go to an emergency room with a runny nose and a little cough, but you're otherwise okay looking for a, cough, looking for a test, you are definitely exposing yourself to the coronavirus when you have the really sick coronavirus patients in the emergency room. Now, when you're there as an ER doc, if you're, all you have is a runny nose and a slight cough, I guarantee you I'm going to blow you off and you home without a test because one we don't have enough test kits and two it makes no difference if you're fine right if you have a runny nose and a cough fine most people this will just go away on your own don't look for a test and because this is the coronavirus there is no cure for it don't mistake the test for a cure if you risk yourself at a testing center potentially getting exposed to the real deal only to get a negative test guess what You've gained nothing except exposure to the coronavirus. Yeah. If you have the coronavirus and you go and you get tested and you're otherwise fine, you have exposed everyone around you to the coronavirus. So if you feel okay, if you just have a runny nose and a little bit of a cough, maybe even a mild fever, stay home and just wait it out. Yeah. Now, if you're feeling sick, you're coughing super hard, if you have trouble breathing, if you don't feel right. If something feels wrong, get to the hospital. We got to take care of you. 
But if it's just a runny nose, if it's a little cough, even a normal mild fever, if you're otherwise fine, don't risk yourself yeah. and don't risk the people around you. So just load up on vitamin C and a lot of water, right? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Stay hydrated, have a balanced diet. And you, right now, right now is when people on the internet, on the television, the cranks, the deceivers, the liars, they're going to try and sell you all sorts of nonsense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Look up at the CDC, look up the World Health Organization. It's just one Google search away. They update this practically by the day. Mm -hmm. um, but Dr. Oz and all those other guys, they're going to, they're going to sell you on BS. Don't, don't waste your time and money and don't waste your worry on something that doesn't work. Well, Jim Baker is selling some stuff on his program um, and that's faith-based. So I, I believe in that. That's There's a great essential oil that I use all the time. It's called canola. <laughs> okay. Now you've upset all the essential oil people. And so now I'm going to get emails about that. And my wife's going to yep. you want to talk about vaccinations because I think, I think, right, let's, 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 let's get, yeah, we talked about that. Let's, let's go. Since we've already gotten into trouble, let's go there. Okay. This is the common cold on steroids, right? And they're going to, there's, there's uh, laboratories right now working on vaccinations uh, for this very particular strain. And because it's so relatively easily transmissible and everyone gets it, everyone's probably going to get it. Um, my, may not be the most accurate, my gut fear is that we might be doing this shelter in place for months and months and months. And the only time this will really truly go away is if we get the vaccine, right? And that's why things like measles and polio were selected to be the first candidates to develop vaccines for, because all this shutting schools down, like I remember my mom telling me that that's what they had to do when polio swept through her community. Um, she's a survivor of polio, thank goodness, but her right arm is a lot weaker and she has a whole bunch of friends who limp. Hmm. Um, so things like this, like this, because it's relatively easily transmissible, uh, and so many people are going to get it. Um, this storm might not end until we can shut it down with a vaccine. Mm. Um, and so I'm a frontline ER doc yeah. for the next few months. My daily life at work is to be exposed to this potentially deadly disease day in, day out. I'm going to track this stuff home, putting my own family at risk. If you're watching this, if you don't believe in vaccination, I'm pleading with you with my life. If this solution is a vaccine, please take it. Yeah. I don't want to do this again. Hmm. I beg of you. This, so is, this, is, this is what the world looks like before vaccines were developed. This is a world without herd immunity. This is a world without vaccinations when we have no control over a disease that can be lethal. So you're not only an ER doc, but you're, you're a student of theology. Uh, you're a member there at Morningstar uh, Church of Rockford. I've had a chance to hear you preach a couple of times. Um, as a Christian walking into this, uh, how do we approach this from a biblical perspective? Because a lot of people worry about, hey, I'm not able to go to church now. And, you know, just uh, Ray and I were talking, I, I had a friend of mine who was, uh, you know, casting doubt on the legitimacy of my faith because um, I don't have a problem with my church not meeting temporarily um, while we're trying to sort through all of this stuff and go with the live stream and things like that. Um, as, as a Christian, 
uh, how do how do we approach this um, from that perspective? First of all, it's not the apocalypse. Yeah. We're going to have wars, we're going to have rumors of wars. Jesus said that, like, it's not the end, okay? When the end shows up, it's going to be it's going to be clear, dramatically clear, unequivocally clear. This is a plague, it's a nuisance. Okay, fine, all right, we'll get that out of the way. Um, the big question right now, tangibly, especially since tomorrow Sunday, uh, is, is it biblical that we don't go to church? Um, there's a few things. First of all, the government, state government currently in Illinois, um, they're telling us not to meet, not because they're saying that Christianity is wrong and you should worship the governor or anything, some such like that. They're not targeting churches in particular. No, they're not targeting churches in particular. So that's one. This is not persecution. Okay. This is for the safety of uh, the state, of the people, of the community, and also for the safety of the church. Uh, in a sense, like, What's the age demographic of churches? A lot of really young, a lot of really old, right? And so by meeting together in, in, in like this, this is not the church taking care of itself if you end up with a whole bunch of dead elderly parishioners. <laughs> um, so don't do that. Now, you have examples throughout church history of churches, of, of Christians meeting together despite people dying all around them as a show of our confidence against death, that we are eternal, we die, we get to heaven, we're still going to meet, that's awesome, okay? But that's back then when we don't know how diseases work, we don't know how quarantine work, um, and plus, like, people back then were not blessed with the technologies that we have now where we can, we can still work on getting community, like you and I talking together through the internet. Right. Um, so these are very different scenarios. So one, is it's not for lack of faith. Isn't it like to say, you know, shouldn't we just trust to God that he's going to take care of us and meet together anyway? Well, if you think about it, one of the writers of the Bible is the physician, Luke. Mm -hmm. that, that, that alone acknowledges the point that there is sickness and illness no matter what. Yeah. And that even a physician is required. And thankfully, physician Luke contributed to the New Testament. Mm. So, yes, God God working in this world is him withholding his judgment. That really, if you think about it that way, this all makes sense, yeah. right? We deserve pandemics like this all the time, earthquakes, wholesale destruction, because guess what? We are all sinners yeah. deserving of God's judgment. Um, the surprising thing should be why only now. Mm. So, um, when you look at it that way, sure, you know, we can meet together, we can show we have faith, or we can show to the world that we're fools who can't follow simple directions. That got Adam into trouble in the garden, by the way. <laughs> and we want to put you in danger and risk. Yeah. Yeah. So, so especially when you realize that this is not the government persecuting the church, I think that takes a lot of the pressure off it. Right. And, and we can look for creative and clever ways of remaining together as a body, right? We can call people we can meet people outdoors just a few at a time to make sure people are doing okay like if we can maintain our communities like this and support the old and the people with disabilities in our church bodies we're going to shine we're going to look amazing compared to the fear mm -hmm. that the rest of the world is showing
Okay, two final questions real quick, because I know you've got to run, and our, and our time's running out. Uh, number one, how many, how many rolls of toilet paper does it take to prevent the, the virus? <laughs> I mean, I think you need to ask the owl, if you remember that, that's your old commercial. <laughs> one, two, three. Okay, then. Um, there we go. There, it's not a little bit of chocolate goodness on the inside, so be careful about that. That's what an allergy falls apart. Oh, boy. So and then um, you opened it. <laughs> while we're while we're sheltering in place, while we're quarantined, we're we're sitting around. Um, what's the video game we should be playing? Oh my goodness. The uh, well, Skyrim works pretty nicely. Yeah, those are big, huge worlds. And if you're on Switch, you can play uh, the Legend of Zelda. That one's a nice outdoorsy exploration. Oh, right. but as long as it's not you know freezing temperatures outside like it is right now, or yeah. at Go outdoors, enjoy nature <laughs> when it's not trying to kill you. Okay, so finally, let me ask you this. Um, what are the things that we should be doing here? And then finally, um, how can we be praying for you, someone on the front lines there in the ER? Um, how can we be praying for, for your safety and, and, and just for things in general here? Yeah. Um, the infrastructure, the social infrastructure is still going. Grocery stores are not shut down. Gas stations are still going. Banks are still operating. So don't go panic buying and hoarding stuff. Okay. Um, now, that being said, don't buy small amounts. Plan ahead. So buy larger groceries so that you're not going out to the grocery stores over and over and over again, right? So, so somewhere in between. But if you're buying and hoarding a whole bunch of stuff, right now we have a mask shortage because a lot of people bought all the masks. Um, and now the people who are so, – so you have people at home with boxes and boxes of masks how many are they going through per day? And yet you have hospitals that are running out of masks. And now we have frontline workers who can sick, fall ill, and we don't have people running in emergencies or in, uh, emergency rooms anymore. And so that's a problem. So don't hoard. Shop a little extra when you're doing your groceries so you're not going out constantly. Be sensible. Uh, I've told people before, like, we of all people as believers should not have a spirit of fear. Right. Especially since fear will disengage our higher decision-making abilities, and we end up thinking selfishly. Yeah. Um, Jerusalem survived persecution by the Romans uh, in the Book of Acts, mostly because the Christians helped one another. Yeah. And if we can look for ways to do that right now, um, that will be a beautiful thing. And how can last, we uh, as for that last question, um, pray for pray for safety. Um, mostly for, like, like I said, um, it affects the older, I'm younger, I'm pretty healthy. If I get it, if I get the sniffles, I'm not going to die. Um, statistically, I might get a hospital admission. I go, home. but the problem is I'm the nocturnist. I work anywhere between 45 to 50% of the night shifts of my hospital. If I go down, who's taking my place? Mm -hmm. Um, so, and so that's me. But then I'm a younger doc. How many older physicians are out there that if they get this, they might die? Uh, we're lose, we could potentially lose, uh, a, uh, we could lose experience. We can lose a valued, you know, or like some valued part of our physician team permanently. And so safety, logistically, safety for safety's sake. Those are, those are big prayers for everyone right now working in a hospital. Um, I'm starting work tomorrow night. 
uh, for my next run of shifts. So like, you know, this is going to be a daily battle for potentially a couple months to a year or more. So we always end each episode with uh, recommended resources. So where can people go? What's a trusted, not a hashtag fake news, whatever. Um, yeah, I started this guy on the internet one time. What are some trusted sources people can look at and, and, and get the latest on all of this? I almost wanted to tell people to just avoid the news, mm. like avoid general news. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of that is unfiltered information done by news anchors or writers who are not medical professionals. So they're going through the literature, but they might not interpret it correctly. So that's a big danger. So what you want to do is go look up the World Health Organization or the Center for Disease Control. Now, these are people whose study is disease going through populations. And they are keeping like people on the field trying to figure out where this disease is going, what's going on. Um, so that and they're updating it super frequently as things are unfolding as we speak. Uh, so that is an excellent source, not Fox News or anything like that, or bloggers or what have you. I mean, so, so you have to be careful about what you look into. And if anything looks too good to be true, it's why. <laughs> true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Gordon, thank you for, so much for taking the time and talking to us. I know you've got an incredibly busy schedule now, um, but, but thanks for, for joining us. And thanks for serving as you do. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Um, it's a cool job that I get to do, and I make every once in a while I can make a big difference. And so, um, if not for such a time like this, right? It's right. kind of echoing, echoing what Esther heard in her critical hour. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is an amazing amazing work that I get to be a part of well thank all of you for joining us and we'll be back next week we'll, we'll, back, we'll jump back into our um, look at the book uh, Unquestioned Answers by Jeff Myers and uh, Raina will be back with that until then check out our website www.basicbiblepodcast.org we'll have those links that uh, Gordon mentioned um, and a whole bunch of other stuff you want to check out there again at Twitter at Basic Biblecast and Instagram on the same handle. So until next week, have a great rest of your week and stay safe.